A hidden figure sets a curtain on fire at the theater. Catching a glimpse of the Phantom's face, the lead actor can't find a way to make their exit. Instead, they grip a piece of costume jewelry firmly in their left palm. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Conan Episode 6, The Valentine Murder Case. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I eat, breathe, and sleep mysteries the way the fishman in the shape of water eats eggs, breathes water, and sleeps with Sally Hawkins. Noah, did you eat all the mysteries? Is that why we are out? <laughs> uh, well, you know... I put my name on those mysteries. They weren't in the fridge, so I thought they I should eat them before they went bad. Ugh. Oh, I can't I can't do an elegant segue from that. <laughs> Our guest's face is like, why are they still talking? <laughs> so uh, what I want to tell everybody before we get started is that if you are in the U.S. and you want to watch the um, episode of Detective Conan that we watched, you will find it on Crunchyroll as Case Closed Episode 6, Tragic Valentine. And you don't have to watch, but we're going to definitely spoil the mystery and all of all of the secrets. So it's it's up to you how you partake this product, which is our podcast. Now, um, joining me, as always, is our resident anime expert, Michael Savisky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. In our personal timeline, it is spring, and uh, Michael was tempted by an online ad and got us some Sakura mochi. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What did you think? Was it everything you hoped it would be? It was very soft. Like you can tell, it's like a preserved product because it's like in packaging and stuff. So not like a store bought or a freshly made mochi, but it's very squishy and pleasing. So I was happy with it. I've definitely gotten some store bought mochi that was like way lamer. Mochi being um, like a rice flour it is traditionally literally just mashed up glutinous rice with sugar in it uh but mostly they'll make it from glutinous rice flour now kind of marshmallowy but more rice tasting and sakura being uh cherry blossoms mm -hmm. common mm -hmm. seasonal yeah no cherry blossoms in it it's just a style of it that is prepared for oh. cherry blossoms uh they are classically wrapped in a in a like a a candied cherry leaf often uh, mm. But that was not the case with these. They were just colored pink and filled with a matcha-flavored chocolate ganache. Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, I thought it was pertinent to talk about Valentine's Day in Japan, since that's the entire focus of this episode. Uh, specifically, about the expectations upon women at this time. Uh, so unlike American Valentine's Day, uh, Valentine's Day in Japan is primarily and almost entirely for women to give only chocolate and not flowers and cards, etc. to men. And obviously there's like modern people who are like, that's a stupid tradition and that's a greeting card thing. But the overall like cultural holiday is women give chocolate to men. And there's actually a lot of fun terms for the different reasons and ways they may give chocolate. Uh, so I've made notes of them all and translated them all. So the primary one, which is the one I knew about initially, is giri choco or literally obligatory chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate is always best when it's an obligation. <laughs> yeah, it is expected that women will homemade, do some kind of homemade chocolate thing, whether it's like melting chocolate and pouring it into a mold or doing something more elaborate like cookies or something and give it to like all the 
men in their life that they have some kind of relationship with, be it coworkers or family members or friends or school friends. Actually, apparently, companies nowadays have started to crack down and like make that not allowed in the company just so that women don't have feel obligated to do all this spending <laughs> to give all of their like superiors chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> and the next big one is homemade chocolate or favorite chocolate. And that is a specifically handmade uh, giri chocolate. Giri choco might be purchased. It might be handmade. But this is specifically something you hand make and give to your significant other. Uh, and often it's like with an expectation that on a follow-up holiday, white day, that person will then, okay, that man will gift you something at least three times the value of what you gave them. Or it's also a big day for like uh, men to propose to women in exchange for what had happened previously. So it's like a whole, it might be cute. It might be weird. Like interesting. I'm sure all the versions of it exist in this culture. That already clears up a bunch of the, like me trying to figure out what was going on in the first half of this episode. Yeah. It's all a weird cultural thing. Uh, Some, some other reason, other fun terms for gifting chocolate on Valentine's day in Japan, jibun chocolate or oneself. This is my favorite where it's, you go to the store and you buy chocolate for yourself, but you can still only do that (laughs) if you're a lady. It's yes. Sorry, sorry, boys. You can't you can't buy chocolate for yourself. There's on a weird cultural Day. thing in Japan where like sweets are like a female thing, uh, yeah. which is bizarre Ugh. and not true. But anyway, tomo choco, which is so you'll see in Japanese department stores and stuff, something like what we have, where like the elaborate like heart shaped things or like expensive chocolate. But that's not really for the men or the women to give to men. That's mostly for women to give to their friends or themselves. So jibun cho- choco or tomo choco, which is friend chocolate. Uh, and they specifically, if they give chocolate to their friends, they're supposed to be like, eat it while the men aren't around because it's like, teehee, we have chocolate and the men can't have it. Uh, and the other one is a more modern one, gyaku choco or reverse chocolate, uh, which is where a man give, dares give a woman chocolate. <laughs> now, would there be like a section of the store which has the gyaku choco and it's like a different product? I don't think just, so. I don't think so. It's just a different that's, context. That's more like a different context. Yeah, it's yeah. like... Who knows, like, obviously, times are cha- a change in, in the world. And there's people who subvert these things and people who embrace these things. So so the next time someone complains about like Valentine's Day being a made up holiday by the Hallmark company, I'll send them to Japan. <laughs> so they can see what's going on over there. But I imagine culturally, especially amongst the more like rich and like traditional people, there's probably a lot of like Valentine's Day. Here's some chocolate I made for you. Oh, you're proposing to me on White Day. Oh, my gosh. And we just happen to have a photographer and these outfits ready. (laughs) Yeah, that was very in-depth and very enlightening. And some of the things you said were very shocking to our (laughs) guests. Let me um, bring her in because I'm excited to to hear her thoughts. Um, I do just want to comment. You know, I was like, this would be a great episode for us to do on Valentine's Day because it's so Valentine's Day themed. Mm-hmm. But there was just we, we just needed to do this one because there's a, a new gadget introduced and a new character introduced. And it just happened to had to happen in the timeline of the show. So I was like, who can I bring on? And 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 I couldn't think of any reason to bring on someone in time for Valentine's Day except for the a person that I dated on stage. so that's that's what we have tonight and also someone who loves murder mysteries and i had been waiting for an opportunity to share like a a solid detective conan murder mystery with this guest so let's find out who it is michael do you know no idea (laughs) so let's find out our guest this episode is an actor and performance artist veteran of the site-specific victorian theater murder mysteries at the historic ebenezer maxwell mansion she's currently developing an autobiographical solo performance inspired by paradise lost 
And one time she solved the mystery of the substitute stanza. I've cracked the case. It's Megan Edelman. Hello. So honored to be here. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. In the name of transparency, I always know who the mystery guest is. It's in the Google Calendar weeks (gasps) before we record. (laughs) What? No way. Now that we've started uh, being on camera with each other while we record, it would be pretty hard for you if it's somebody that you already recognize Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) to not know. That's fair. But I don't know, Megan, when I first like started thinking of you as a person who's into murder mysteries, maybe when... Like we did some murder mysteries in college and stuff like that. But what can you tell us about like you and mysteries? Oh my gosh, I love mysteries. So I I just made a Letterboxd account, which for those who don't know, is like a site where you can record all the movies you've seen and rate them and, you know, give reviews and whatnot. And you're supposed to pick four movies that kind of represent you on your profile. And I was like, these can't all be murder mystery movies, right? They have to do something else. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's just whenever I'm like, not knowing what to read or what to watch, my mind immediately gravitates towards mysteries because there's always something to discover. And sometimes you can like figure it out along the way. And sometimes you just have to kind of be taken along the ride, depending on how it's crafted. So I've read so many Agatha Christie murder mysteries. I've participated in murder mysteries. I've been a part of creating murder mysteries or uh, you know, joining murder mysteries that Noah has created, which are much more intricate. Creating fictional murder mysteries, let's clarify. You haven't... Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's an important distinction. <laughs> that's generally what we mean by murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely fictional, for sure, for sure. Not creating true crime. Yes. No. no Otherwise not. known as killing people. Right. That is not a hobby of mine. No. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any recent favorite movies or books or tv shows um so my partner who's also a mystery lover uh recently introduced me to death note the anime not the live action movie which i hear is absolutely terrible um but the the show itself was amazing especially for i would say the first two thirds and then there's a big shift that i won't discuss but um yeah i haven't seen it so i appreciate (gasps) that Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. no, I think you would love it. I highly recommend. Mike, have you seen it? The animation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've read the manga like as it came out, like through like uh, fan translations, and then mm-hmm. I bought it when it came out in English for real, and then I watched the anime. So I was pretty into it. Why haven't you made me watch Death Note yet? We've talked about it like a lot. Yeah. I don't know. We're always watching a bunch of stuff, so. This is true. There's a lot to watch, you know. You can't get it all in all the time. Yeah, so you see, so you all watched that recently. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's a good transition point to the next question that I need to ask you, which Mm -hmm. is anime. Mm. So you've seen Death Note. Have you seen other anime? What's your experience like there? I think the answer is no. I'm not super familiar with anime, but it's something after seeing Death Note, I would be very interested in getting getting into more of. And I have now seen one episode of Conan, I must say. <laughs> it might be the episode we're about to discuss. On <laughs> I enjoy that you're our first guest that pronounces it like the barbarian. Oh no, how is it supposed to be pronounced? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we usually say Conan. Conan, okay. But I think in the when they say it in Japanese, it's more like Conan. Yeah, Conan. but it's, okay. he's named after... Uh, essentially uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. So Conan would be uh, pretty appropriate. Yeah, but it's fun to sense. say Conan, as, just thinking of <laughs> him as a little barbarian. Uh, sure, yeah, why not? <laughs> I would watch that anime. I feel like that's more Wakamatsu would be the Conan type from, <laughs> from this episode anyway. 
I will make one recommendation, and it's not an anime that I've watched all the way through, but it's on my to-do list, which is Erased, which I think you can find on Netflix. I've heard of this one. Yeah, it's 12 episodes. Oh, I can do 12 episodes. He has a power to like go back in time to correct mistakes, and he goes all the way back in time to when he's 12 and is like trying to prevent a murder or something. Wait a minute. Is this the one with like the butterfly? I think so, yeah. He sees a butterfly, and that's when he's about to jump back in time? I think so. Okay, I've seen the first episode of this. Now I'm, I'm remembering, because Jeremy showed me that. <laughs> that's like a dual metaphor, and I've mentioned this in the podcast mm. before. Obviously, butterfly, like butterfly effect is oh, right. like the, the time-traveling metaphor. But also, in Japanese culture, a butterfly can be a metaphor for like a Shinigami, which you know, ah, because you've seen Death Oh, Note. yes, for so. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'll just have to watch Death Note. It's a death god. A death god, yeah. yeah. A death god. Mm-hmm. Something very much like the idea of the Grim Reaper, but there's like right. not necessarily just one. Right, exactly. And I think you've broken the podcast, Megan, by already answering my final question. Oh, no. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> have you seen de- which is, have you seen detective anime? No, that's that's perfectly fine. It means <laughs> we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. So you've seen Death Note, which we've decided is mostly probably counts. And you've oh, seen this episode. It counts, yeah, I would say. <laughs> and that's where you're at with detective anime. Mm-hmm. You got it. Just another general question. What do you think makes a good murder mystery? Well, I got to go back to to one of my favorites of all time, 1985 Clue movie, <laughs> <laughs> where you often hear about red herrings. Uh, so I think, you know, a mystery that you could solve. Like if you're if you're paying close enough attention, you're really picking up on everything that it's not like, oh, the solve is something that's completely impossible that you never would have gotten. There's there's clues that are missing that you can't actually, you know, get to the the meat of it, but that you don't solve, right? So that it keeps you twisting and turning enough. So the big surprise at the end is like it feels well earned, but it also you you weren't able to crack it throughout the way. I think that's my favorite kind of mystery. You, you want to be like one step behind the detective. Right. You don't want to get ahead of them. You don't want to be left in the dust. Exactly. Exactly. You want to be close behind. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll obviously cover the details of and and we'll have to check back in on this mystery and and see how we think it fared in that regard. Mm-hmm. I have one point of business that I want to cover, which I put in my notes because mm-hmm. in editing some of our previous episodes and thinking about it. And I know we've talked a little about this before, but uh, Japanese names mm-hmm. are in Japan. They always put the the surname, family name first, and then the the first name. Now, in the subtitles of Detective Conan, they unflip it mm-hmm. so that it matches what we expect in America, and that seems to be pretty standard in terms of mm-hmm. translating manga and anime. But I have been trying to do names the other way. And it's just caused a lot of confusion, I think, for me in listening back on previous episodes. I'm not always consistent. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I should just do it the normal way like everybody else. But the problem is, Michael, that you and I have watched so many episodes of this show, like the characters' names are in my head the way they say them out loud, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Kudo Shinichi yeah. and Mori Kogoro. So yeah. to say Kogoro Mori just sounds unnatural it to sounds me. It sounds very weird, yeah. <laughs> because I've heard the name so many times. Uh, so we'll do our best to kind of straighten out like what is a person's personal name and what is their last name. And the other thing that I think makes it complicated is in Japanese culture, they're more likely to refer to someone by their last name that they don't know too well. So mm-hmm. both names get used. It's almost like reading a Chekhov play in that you have to know like all three of a person's name to know which so character true. it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just wanted to flag that for everybody. Well, if there's ever any confusion, I can point it out. I'm usually paying attention to which name is which in terms of the smaller, the minor yeah. characters. 
we already know you should be saying all the names for everybody <laughs> because your pronunciation is the best. But what can you do? Michael, what, what do you want to tell us about Detective Conan? We're on episode six. What do we well, need to know? Detective Conan, and I don't know, Megan, if you got like the real <laughs> meat of it before you watch this. But Detective Conan is about uh, the adventures of high school detective Shinichi Kudo, who one day, while watching a crime take place, was ambushed and forced to take a poison, which shrunk his body into that of a kid who he named himself Conan Edagawa, or Edagawa Conan, uh, in order to live with Ron, who is his high school sweetheart, uh, without her knowing, uh, so that he can follow along with her detective father on his cases in hopes of getting evidence or information on the people who attacked him. Yeah. Basically, it's a, a thousand plus episodes of him solving murders, and some of them sometimes have to do with those people. There are a thousand episodes? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, th- like a thousand and eight or more. They're wow. still going. <laughs> That's wild. So I will say I did not get that at mm-hmm. first. Like, so the the episode we watched when they were showing kind of the background, I think the translation kind of messed me up a little bit because it was like, oh, there is a person named Shinichi and this happened to him. I am coded. And I was like, are these two different people? Like, I didn't understand the person <laughs> was the same person. Yes. So, yeah, I got there. I also watched the episode like three times because I've never done a podcast for an episode of television, so I wanted to make sure like I paid a lot of attention and took a lot of notes. So I think by the third watch, I'm pretty sucked into what's going on on the whole, I would say. Yeah, it it is hard um, I mean, I, I find it hard to take notes because like, because you're reading the subtitles mm-hmm. and looking at the pictures and then you're trying to take notes, you look down for one second and you miss a line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I give myself extra time and pause for notes because yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, I started trying to take notes the first watch and I was like, this isn't gonna work. So I just watched it all the way through. And I was like, <laughs> okay, second watch will be pausing with notes. And the third watch will just be a reinforcing of it because I I'm an overachiever when it comes to homework. <laughs> you're prepared. It's great. Uh, you're not you're not the first guest to to watch something three times. Cool, great. I'm glad to be in good company. <laughs> so the first question I have, well, when you did all these rewatches, mm-hmm. did you rewatch the opening song every time or did you start oh, yeah. skipping that? No, no, no. We watched all the songs all the times. <laughs> what did you think about the song and did you note anything in terms of like lyrics or uh, yes. images? Certainly. So um, my first gripe, I will say, was (laughs) there's a shot where Ron is like swinging, like like she's falling off a cliff almost. And the camera is just like on her butt swinging. (laughs) And I was like, y'all, this is not a good look. I don't appreciate it. So that was one. Um, I found a lovely lyric, when told to cry, I laugh instead. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like kind of, you know, approach to life. Very confused by Maury um, giving Conan a noogie or something. I don't know. He, he oh, the shot where he locks his fists around yes. his head and twists them. Yeah. He frequently abuses Conan physically, despite not being a physical relative. Right. <laughs> Which makes, doesn't make it better, not, but it no. makes it worse. Like, even worse, you know? It's just, like, <laughs> strange to me. I was like, what is it? I, I would love to learn more about his relationship with that family there's a line later on that we can talk about that i was like what (laughs) um and then the things i tried to understand as a child remain a mystery even as an adult i was like man that's some relatable content there (laughs) so those were kind of the the major things that stuck out to me in the song and i was trying to be like how does the vibe of it give me like a pepperan kind of thing almost like oh "Oh, there's these kids like doing their kid things yeah so that was kind of the the vibe i most connected with I just learned that I think Pepper Ann was the very first animated Disney show to have a female creator. 
Really? Really. That's cool. And the number now yeah. is is like four. Oh, four Disney animated shows with female creators. Jeez. It's I was not like, very that's high. cool. And then I was like, wait, that's not cool because it's too <laughs> late for that. I don't know anything about the creator of Owl House. Is Owl House one of them? That's how I learned this fact is because okay. the, the Owl House is a recent Disney animated children's show with a female creator and she's the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And this is the year 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you like the song? I did. Yeah. I, I found myself kind of like bopping along and like hearing it a little as the, the episode itself started. So yeah, it was a good good one. Except for the, yeah. you know, the one shot that I didn't appreciate. <laughs> Well, I think that's also one of the reasons I didn't bring you in on um, when we were doing Detective Academy Q. Mm. The mysteries were good, but there was a little bit more of that than this show does, which okay. it does from time to time. Mm. It's almost impossible to avoid an anime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I forgot one more lyric. Sorry, that I wanted to point out. It's, yes. I, I'm neither a hot shot nor especially great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. All I understand is the beating of my heart. Exactly. That feels like some very like introspective. The problem I have with that line is it's not true about this character who is very full of himself. Right. He in other places (laughs) says his powers of deduction are flawless. And I was like, yeah. "Hmm." Well, to be fair, for a song that I don't think was written for this anime, I think Uh, existed. It clicks to it very well. I don't think it was written for the anime. Because the line Megan shared about like mysteries as a child and mysteries as an adult seems seems to make so much sense given it's like- a nearly adult who is yeah, now a child. I, I could be wrong. I could yeah. be absolutely wrong. But I, when I was looking into it, it really did seem like the song existed and they used it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's see what happens on Valentine's Day. Let's. <laughs> For these interesting characters. So the scene opens right away with um, the an introduction of a new character who I think is kind of only half introduced. <laughs> yeah, they, they just act like she's been around the whole time, but it's her introduction. It's Ron's friend, Sonoko. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sonoko, my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Suzuki Sonoko, for those uh, keeping track at home. The scion of the wealthy Suzuki family. Oh. Um, we will come back to her later because her father and uncle are very wealthy. Hmm. And the phantom thief always tries to steal things from her uncle. Mm-hmm. So oh. like her uncle's jewels in his vault. And oh, I can't wait till we cover a Kaito Kid episode. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there sooner or later. And you know, whenever they need to go somewhere, and like, there's no there's no reasonable explanation of how they can spend that money. It'll just be like Sonoko's like, oh yeah, we borrowed my family's jet. <laughs> She's that kind of friend. Nice. The plot convenient kind. <laughs> but I don't know. What did you like about her in this episode? What did you pick up on her? So I just thought she was hilarious. Basically. She, you know, is very interested in Minagawa, and um, every time she talks about it, it's like this strange, like, I'm going to make this chocolate for him, and it's going to melt his bone marrow. Like, she just (laughs) feels things extremely strongly, and that's how she expresses them. But I also feel like when it's clear it's not going to work out for her, you know, she, she does this thing. And again, it happens later, but where she takes the chocolate and just like tears it open and eats it all herself, more relatable content. But I also feel like you know, she's just dealing with it in her her own way. And she kind of doesn't pursue him aggressively like some other characters in this story do. So yeah, I just really like her. <laughs> well, this is her introduction, but it quickly becomes a trope that she becomes obsessed with uh, some random boy and that ends up leading the plot along. Uh-huh. She ends up dating okay. someone, I think, in like episode 800 or something. No. Oh. Eventually. We'll, we'll get there. No. Will we get there? <laughs> will we get there? It's a lot of episodes. <laughs> we may get there. We'll see. 
we would have to jump. Yeah. So, and Sonoko is really the driving force behind the whole setup for this thing. Mm. You mentioned Minagawa. He's one of like two college boys that right. Ron and Sonoko had gone on a double date with. Mm-hmm. And we the mentioned this. tennis players, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all tennis players at Baker University. And Michael, you've mentioned before. Uh, they live in a, a fictional area of Tokyo, Tokyo called Baker, which mm-hmm. is named after Baker Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So Baker University. Got it. But it's usually, it, it, basically, it's Tokyo University, but they're not calling it that. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was also kind of like my first suspect because all of her love seems very tied into this like murderous vibe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is the, it is the kind of thing I I think sometimes when you have a character that's introduced for the long term to like make them the suspect in the first time and then like it's like whatever they're not the suspect anymore. Gotcha. So I I did like the flashbacks to their double date. It did not look very fun. Clearly, Ron is not having a good time. No. Mm-hmm. But the two guys they went on a date with the one guy is the future victim Minagawa, who was the captain of the university tennis team. He's kind of a jerk. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, kind, not, not, kind not of. even kind of just not a kind complete of. jerk he's, he's a jerk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the other guy is wakamatsu mm-hmm. who is a very muscly guy that only has one shirt and probably doesn't have any sleeves in his wardrobe also mm-hmm. a jerk but in a different way yeah also just a complete jerk like not maybe necessarily portrayed as a complete jerk but definitely a complete jerk mm-hmm. i think this must be what sonoko says about him because i wrote it down that he's strong yet sensitive with a big personality I think he says that about himself. Oh, does he say it about himself? (laughs) (laughs) Which then you know it's true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And for some reason, like Ron and Sonoko are just chatting on the street and he like jumps out of a car. Wakamatsu, the muscly guy. For a second, I thought Sonoko like, like either manifested him or had invited him and this was a setup. But then it's pretty clear that she wasn't aware of the party. So I quickly dropped that. It's just a coincidence, purely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He invites them to a Valentine's Day party, which we have now learned is basically obligating them to buy or prepare chocolate. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then at the same time, uh, we get our like nearly obligatory appearance in this episode of the three kids, uh, Yumi, Mitsuhiko, Genta, who make up the detective boys. They are genuine elementary schoolers, not right. older mm-hmm. people in, in the bodies <laughs> of elementary schoolers. I don't remember if we talked about this before on the podcast, but I was actually surprised because in my memory, I thought they were the Shonen Tante Don, the way that the name of their gl- club references that the the older novels, but they yeah. actually c- call themselves the detective boys in English. Mm. Well, we we skipped episode four because it's not my favorite, but that's the one I think where they call, call themselves the detective boys for the first time. Ah, but yeah, they they have roped Conan into solving mysteries with them. He's he's not really thrilled to hang out Clearly. with real elementary schoolers. Although I gotta say, so for, I had no idea who they were. I was just like, what is happening? But at the end song, there's like an image of them all together, sort of in the the hat mm. and the very Sherlock Holmes kind of. Vibe. So I was like, they're like doing, hat, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I was like, oh, they're doing things together. There's clearly like a friendship here. But yeah, he seems very not interested in doing anything with them in this episode. He is a 16-year-old person. Right. Uh, and they are actual children. Right. So fair. <laughs> fair on his part. <laughs> They'll be around forever, you know. Eternal children, <laughs> as they are. Gotcha. And they're trying to hand out flyers advertising the detective boys to get people to bring them cases and stuff. And right. Conan walks away because he's not into it and happens to see Ron get invited to this party. Right, right. Which he does not enjoy. 
childhood stalking time he's going there to protect her i'm doing air quotes as we talk about this uh megan has a little bit of of uh information you may not have so in the episode in which shinichi was shrunk into a child Mm -hmm. they literally were like this close to confessing their love to each other Uh, at a theme park and Mm -hmm. then this happened so they're like in a perpetual state of i live with you and you don't know i'm me but we were like this close to being boyfriend and girlfriend you know the classic story (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah pretty much but she also like outwardly always says that she's not into shinichi Mm. Right. And here that causes her a problem because Sonoko is like, do you want to go? Right. Why won't you go to the party? Do you like Shinichi? And she's like, no, I don't. And then she has no reason not to go to the party. Well, she does. She could be like, I just don't want to. But clearly that's not going to be accepted. (laughs) (laughs) And this was, Megan, you referenced this earlier, but like, we just need to emphasize this shot where Sonoko is like, I'll use my chocolate to melt even your bone marrow. (laughs) Because it cuts away to her like on a background of flames. Yeah. Well, they even say, they subtitle it as Sonoko has a new obsession, but Ran says, uh, Sonoko wa moeru, uh, which is a Japanese phrase, uh, like burning up, but it usually refers to like emotional, like mm. like really excited about something. That makes sense. Before we get to the party, there we do see Ran making her chocolate. Mm-hmm. Ah, whoever <laughs> drew this should be fired. She had no double boiler. She's just going to burn that chocolate. In That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> Not knowing like of the tradition and that there's this like expectation that they have to take chocolate and melt it into something else. I was like, why is she trying to make chocolate? Like just buy something. It's just as, you know, you can't really improve it by just melting it. That's the expectation. And they actually sell like kits. Like like she probably got like a chocolate bar kit that was like milkless chocolate and mix in like nuts or fruits and pour it into Mm -hmm. this mold. (laughs) Why not just buy it? It's more special if you make it. I want some chocolate. On the other hand, like everybody is growing up in Japan having at least a little bit of sense of how to melt chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or Maybe. not Well, you. not Ron, apparently, because she <laughs> didn't have a double image. boiler. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a little tripped up because her dad shows up later in the story and I didn't realize he was her dad. I was not following along with that. So that was mm-hmm. like an interesting piece. But yeah, she's like pretending that she barely remembers Shinichi when Conan is asking her about it. So like, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, because he's very recently like basically dropped out of her life. Right. But um, Mori, the dad, as he's like there sleeping, I think he's muttering about how he's the greatest detective or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's sleeping in the other room while they're making the chocolate. Yeah, (laughs) which I I, like, I don't know a lot about his cases, but he does not seem to be the greatest detective in this story. Mm -mm. You're picking up on a lot of the ongoing threads. Got it. So Ron goes to the party and Conan hides himself in the trunk to go along with them. Right, and he's really easily able to open that car with like a paper clip or something. So yeah. skills, I guess. He's got skills. Also, her dad is like, go find a rich man. I don't know if it's in jest or just reality, but that's something. <laughs> he's just he's just he's just who he is. Mm-hmm. He's okay. just who he is. Mm-hmm. Let's just say there's a reason that her mom is not currently in the picture. Okay. Which is his personality. <laughs> Big reason. <laughs> yeah, this is the second time so far that we've seen children sneak into a trunk, mm. which will eventually take them to a murder scene. Second time in six episodes. Wow. In That's six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and like in just a couple episodes, 
Ayumi's going to climb into a, the trunk of a car. So they do this all the time mm-hmm. and it right. does not go well. No, clearly. <laughs> Maybe they should stop <laughs> Any children listening, please do not hide in the trunk of cars. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. in the landing gear of a taking off plane. All of the above. <laughs> they, they get to the party and right away, like all the college age folks are drinking sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have beer. They have beer, Mm. and the ones not drinking have orange juice. Mm, Okay. Of course, because sake would be in sake glasses, and these were beer glasses. And be transparent, yes. (laughs) So they're they're all drinking beer, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, they are those high school students that went to a party with college students. Mm -hmm. True. But they're drinking orange juice, so it's fine. Yeah, it's all fine. Everything here is fine. None of it is fine. We actually just watched an episode of another anime, 4S Gridman, where... A group of high schoolers went on a like a group date with a bunch of college students, and it's just creepy all around. I know they might only be like two or three years apart, right? But it just feels like off. Yeah, it's like it's like Scott Pilgrim dating Knives Chow, creepy. Yeah, <laughs> not great. Um, it's interesting though because the parental figure is there, and she's like, "Oh, this is fine." <laughs> the mom is so much there at the party. Yes. <laughs> she's very involved at the party. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine. Not only is it like the kind of thing where like mom pops in and is like, do you need anything? I made you snacks. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, mom catered a four course meal for this party. And that (laughs) meal looks amazing. I must say, like, I I love when animated food looks so good. Like, a la like Miyazaki Studio Ghibli, like, oh, and the sushi on the table. I was just like, I want. So now I want chocolate and sushi as I'm watching this three Mm -hmm. times over and over. Oh, yeah, we had chocolate while we were watching oh. this. Well, they were they were like, oh, this coffee is very delicious. And then they were also, there was also chocolate over the place. So I was like, okay, fine. I stopped in the middle of the episode. I went down. I made myself <laughs> a pour over. And I got some chocolate that we have in our various candy stash. Now, and I brought now it up. like, did you melt the chocolate over a double boiler or? No, I ate it as was. We, oh, buy, our, we buy our chocolate bars in this house. We don't go to the effort <laughs> of making them. Got it. Well... <laughs> You know, both of us are men, so we can't actually buy like Valentine's Day chocolate we can't. for each That's other. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I actually bought you Valentine's Day chocolate from Japan. You did because I, did, I didn't know any better. It was very cute, but probably overpriced Pokemon. In, and I still have the tin. It's very cute. Aww, yeah, that's nice. So they do this kind of elegant. I say elegant. I say kind of elegant. Mm-hmm. Uh, introduction of all the characters in like rapid succession, all yeah. saying their names. Mm-hmm. And it's very reminiscent of the similar thing, which which we kind of pointed out when it would happen in Detective Academy Q. And it's like when you've got a murder mystery that takes place over the course of an episode, you just have all the suspects walk into a room and say their <laughs> names out loud. There you go. We, we've already talked a little bit about the host, Katsuhiko Minagawa, the tennis captain, and muscly guy Toshihide Wakamatsu. See here, I'm saying their names in the other order. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Toshide, last name Wakamatsu. Mm-hmm. And now we meet Sakia Kaori. So first name Kaori. Mm-hmm. She has short hair, jean jacket, pink shirt. And her first thing is she's like telling Sonoko to calm down because she's coming on so strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let her live. <laughs> we also meet Naomichi. Doesn't mm-hmm. get another name. Mm-hmm. And the, the the word one person says about him gloomy, and that was also my word for him too. Very true. He is also the only college person drinking juice instead of uh, beer, oh. which doesn't really matter. But I noticed it. He's very quiet. He wears glasses, which might mean he's evil, in our opinion. Not in our opinion. <laughs> so am I evil? Just checking, because I'm wearing glasses. 
Well, you're you're not a suspect in an anime murder mystery. That's what you said. So far as I know. <laughs> and as I common as I commonly let people know, I am also wearing glasses. They're just on my eyeballs. True story. <laughs> and then we meet Yoshimi Watanabe. Yes. First name Yoshimi, Yoshimi family name Watanabe. Yeah, I just wrote generic nice lady for her as her mm. description. <laughs> her outfit, like because it was just like solid colored shirts, was like giving me Scooby Doo vibes. Hmm. You know, the way you just, just design a character by giving them a a color of shirt that they wear. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, meanwhile, Conan is just like watching from amongst the bushes. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creepy. I have a note that because he's like shivering at one point, and I just wrote, "Conan is cold, hungry, and serving the patriarchy." That's how. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this probably the next time we cover an episode of this anime because it's all about Ron suspecting Conan of actually being Shinichi. Right but there. They they really give him a pass for all of his behavior in terms of like being in her life and not revealing himself and keeping an eye on her romantic relationships. Not okay. Mm-hmm. It comes off as cute because he's a child, but like. But he's not though, and also no. <laughs> it's weird that he's hiding in the bushes. Mm-hmm. In addition to the his mom, who doesn't get who doesn't get a name other than being his mom in Minagawa. Mm-hmm. And his younger brother, Yusumo, is also here, who is probably about the same age as Conan, and we are told does not look like his older brother. Which I did not catch on the first run through, definitely caught <laughs> on later ones. I didn't write it down at first, but I thought in my head, is this going to be important? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was. Always got to be a character in anime at this era uh, who is smoking in a room that has, oh yeah, eventually has <laughs> children in it. <laughs> Minagawa is a smoker. He smokes over and over and over again mm-hmm. until he dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really? let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> right up to the last second. And Megan, the moment you talked about when Conan is, says out loud that he's cold and hungry because mm-hmm. he's like sitting outside is the moment before Ron notices him. Right. And he like just runs around in circles, flailing his arms. Yeah, what? This, like, creature of mystery, that is how he reacts in this scenario. So, like, I actually have a question. As Conan, does he, like, behave differently than he does as Shinichi? Like, is he imbued with any childhood wonderment or, I don't know. He often tries to fake being a child Ah, when he's caught doing something not childlike. There's nothing inherent to his condition that makes him act differently. He has some limitations by, like, having a child's body. Okay. And then then there's, yeah, the artifice. Right. That he puts on. And then her reaction, because somebody asks, like, oh, you know that kid? She's like, oh, he's staying at my house for certain reasons. And I was like, what does that mean? I wrote that down. It's very sketchy thing to say about a child. <laughs> I think I think it was probably just a weird way to subtitle it. Okay, very well. I there's a Japanese phrase and I forget what it is, but it often gets uh translated as like for certain reasons or something. Okay. And it's just like Cause stuff. Okay, okay. <laughs> but why is he staying with them? Like, who made these decisions? So the real reason is because he wants to be uh, around her father, right? Because he's a detective, so that he right. can go on his cases and get information about the men that attacked him. Mm-hmm. And the fake reason is because he's pretending to be Shinichi's neighbor's relative, but he doesn't like. He's like, I'm an old man. I can't take care of a child. I have to do work and stuff. Can you please take care of him? And they agree okay. to it. I see. While his parents are away for 20 years. And they later, before it gets too far into the episode count, justify it further. But we'll get into that when it happens. Okay, that was helpful though. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's all just a convenient setup to set up like the two of them, the all of them living together and going on these cases and stuff. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the mom 
allows the child to come in and to, to also take in the Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. course, why not? So we get to the point where where people are going to start start trying to give each other chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Sonoko is kind of headed off by Kaori. But she's so great. She's like, I am this person and I'm going to give you the chocolate. <laughs> it's really funny to me. Though it's weird because someone calls Miyagawa out on his behavior and she's like, no, it's good for guys to have a bad attitude. And I was like, what? <laughs> not, not a healthy way to look at things. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, beyond just like that's a specific, I think, notion people buy into sometimes. There is the like when you're crushing on someone and looking and overlooking or justifying their flaws the sort of aspect yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. 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 But there is also sometimes like the, you know, the idea of like bad guys get the girl yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Kaori does a very confusing way of trying to give chocolate to Minagawa because first she asks him to lay off uh, Naomichi. He had been being pretty mean to the gloomy, gloomy glasses kid Naomichi. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, but please take my chocolate. And he refuses. So she's basically in the same boat as Sunoko. She's like, you're kind of shitty, but yeah. I like you for some reason. <laughs> Speaking of like misogyny and men. Mm. Wakamatsu, muscly guy, is trying to hit on Ron. <laughs> and he's asking her about what he assumes will be her like delicate feminine hobbies. Like mm-hmm. maybe uh, she's into tea ceremonies or flowers. maybe she's into flower arrangements. Yeah. Yeah. And Conan's like, she's into karate. And he's like, haha, yeah. no way. And she's like, I'm into karate. <laughs> and he's totally <laughs> he's like, not into no, it. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, and this comes back in the post credits. Yeah. When he is still trying to hit on her, like after everything that has gone down, mm-hmm. and she punches through a light pole. Ron's <laughs> revenge! I love it. And he's like, okay, I get it. I'm done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> no more. Never to be seen again. Well, we, we've well established, uh, at least Nick's opinion was that Ron is the best character. <laughs> he has punched through solid concrete. She has stopped a, a steel baseball bat with her naked wrist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, forearm, because her wrist would shatter. But her forearm was fine. <laughs> no, she seems pretty cool. But also, like, that's why she can take care of herself and Conan should back off. That's my opinion on... Oh, it's not about, like, it's not about protecting her. It's about jealousy. He's She like, says it's about protecting her. She says it's about protecting her. That's the story. It's the party line. But you're right. It's totally about jealousy. Mm-hmm. So Wakamatsu is hitting on Ron and tries to grab her hand. But instead... <sighs> When, Instead, what he makes out with Conan. Conan's first gay kiss from a predator. Yep. <laughs> and then and then he throws Conan in reaction to this moment that he has created for everyone involved. So. But Conan which jumps I, back up and like kicks right, him in the head, right. which is great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's cartoony anime violence, but it is ultimately troubling when you think about this happening to a child. Yes! <laughs> It's not okay. So much danger befalls these children. Oh, just real quick. Back when Kaori is giving or trying to give the chocolate, she also like alludes to something that happened that Minagawa has been reckless since then, which mm-hmm. I feel like comes back later, which again, I didn't catch on the first time around, but right, it helps right. 
it helps establish that they have like a long history, maybe mm-hmm. more so than the other people that are at the party. Mm-hmm. Another uh, Japanese phrase, ano tokoro de, uh, or at that time, which is like intentionally vague, but often translated in different ways. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, there's a short scene between Kaori and Nomichi where he realizes that Minagawa turned down her chocolate and was rude to her. Mm-hmm. So like we're basically we're we don't yet necessarily know that Minagawa is going to die, but all of this is establishing their interpersonal relations and basically showing that everyone has a potential reason to kill him because he was a jerk to everyone. Right, right. I mean, not good reasons, like someone right. kind of being a jerk to you not necessarily justifying murder. No talk about it first maybe <laughs> um and in that in that vein like minagawa and wakamatsu arm wrestle briefly and of course when the big muscly guy beats this the slender guy uh he just calls him muscle for brains mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just showing that he's a jerk and and doesn't re- have regards for other people's feelings mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and it's only the mom coming in to like serve more food that that stops them from going to blows right there's a great moment when she gives her own kid cake for certain reasons, I will say, to come back later. <laughs> but he's like, <sighs> like, I can't even, I'm trying to make the sound he makes when he's eating the cake. I just feel <laughs> he's like so excited to have the cake. It's really well, good. Yeah, because the, the other part of that is what is what happens first, which is that the kid eats the chocolate. Right. And she's like, no, you can't have chocolate. You have cavities. Right, exactly. yeah, she like screams at him like, you can't have chocolate, cavities. Uh, but then she just feeds him some cake. Yeah. Why? Hmm, that's interesting. Mm. Right. She brings in the fancy looking pie slash cake, which is like individually wrapped. Also pretty appetizing, like multiple colors, different kinds of layers going on there. I, yeah, it was a uh, strawberry shortcake. I don't even like cake. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're all served coffee. Right before she feeds the cake to the kid Susumu, he like takes a sip of coffee. And do you know what is a kid going to do when he drinks coffee? He's going to be like, "Ugh, it's bitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Minagawa doesn't eat the cake because he doesn't like sweets, and he goes out to smoke instead. He's out of cigarettes, so he gets handed some by the, the gloomy guy, Naomichi. Wait, wait. We got to stop on that, though, because he doesn't just get handed some. There's music playing. Everything's light. Everything comes to a crashing halt. The music stops. The lighting goes dark. And a hand comes out with a pack of cigarettes being offered, drawing us very closely into this moment in time. Our attention is very focused. Yeah, they, they're drawing our attention to the cigarettes as a potential uh, clue. So he goes outside to smoke and Yoshimi follows. She's the one who has still has her... Well, I guess Ron is still holding a box of chocolates. Yoshimi also has to give try to give her a box of chocolates. At to this him. point, Sonoko has watched the first attempted confession and given up and eaten her chocolate. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yoshimi screams. Minagawa has collapsed. The mom comes over and is and she's crying over his dead body. And always, always, always. This makes a little more sense maybe because Conan is actually a little older than he appears, but he's always the first one that's like, call an ambulance, call the police. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when we were watching Detective Academy Q, those were genuine middle schoolers and they would be the ones to walk into the room and be like, don't touch the body, call the police. And oh it's my like, God. none of the adults here know what to do <laughs> well, the, in yeah. this kind of medical emergency. <laughs> Many of the adults here have various reasons not to be like that. <laughs> so there's a commercial break. Um, and we can take a quick commercial break to promote our product of the week. Mm. <laughs> Make your own chocolate kit by Dying Message. <laughs> <laughs> Includes fun molds so you can spell out the name of your killer with chocolate. Yep. 
All right, let's let's come back from the commercial. <laughs> That's not a real product. We're not selling it. But if you do it, please take a picture and send it uh, to us at... You can send it to our email address at diagmessagepodcast.gmail.com. Michael, were you just suggesting that if somebody actually shapes chocolate into the name of their murderer, they should email it to us? Yeah. Won't they at that point be dead? Details. We'll solve your murder. That's a different podcast. <laughs> can I also just say that I don't know if this makes more sense in the context of the full show but the like the commercial break image is like a dungeon it's a mysterious door yeah they've used that door forever yeah okay okay got it at the start of a commercial break like you zoom out of the door and the door closes and then at the end of the commercial break the door opens and you zoom yeah. back in mm-hmm. they've it. just always used it it's very much iconic at this point yeah, like the a show. castle door huh, interesting i mean it doesn't have anything to do with anything really mm-hmm. hmm. all right so we're gonna solve this murder we are now in the murder part of the episode. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like, Megan, up to this point? Like, you must have known that a murder was going to happen. Were you yeah. like eagle-eyed? Like, no. <laughs> were you paying attention to things, or n- not on the first one? No, I was paying attention, but I wouldn't say I was eagle-eyed. So I wasn't shocked that Minagawa was the one who died. Like you said, it was set up to have a lot of people who might kill him. Yeah, I I did noticed the cigarettes very clearly being marked and i was like i hope this isn't the solution because i was gonna be really mad and then of course it, it's like one of the solutions but it's not the ultimate one so right. that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think one of the things about like when when we watch one of these shows and like a first time guest sometimes is like yeah we're like oh there's gonna be clues <laughs> <laughs> In the same way when you've watched like, I don't know, 70 episodes of CSI, you like know, you know how the show works and you know how the yeah. clues are. You There's start to catch some of those patterns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The formula, the formula. Speaking of formulas, someone had a formula for an agricultural chemical, which they is did. what they used as a poison. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. No explanation on that. <laughs> Just they had an agricultural chemical that they used as a poison. And the first thing everybody thinks is, was the poison in Yoshimi's chocolate? That she mm-hmm. gave to him. It was right. the last thing he ate. Right. There was a piece of it laying next to the dead body. Right. But I also feel like that is a little, which, you know, is, it's clearly not the correct solution, but um, poisons, I don't know. I feel like they don't always work so immediately. So I feel like tracing it back to something a little earlier actually makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. The timing is uncanny when everything comes together. That yeah. you like pass out just after taking a bite. Right. That'd be a bold way to kill someone. You know what I mean? Like, here, right. eat this chocolate. You immediately die. I'm the only one out here. That is very know. obviously from me. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of bold, elaborate deaths in this show, I would gotcha. say. <laughs> so the police have arrived. It's a, it's it's Megare who is... When, when there's murder in Tokyo, he's the one who's going to show up. Okay. Kogoro has arrived. Uh, he was called by Ron, her father, who is the detective. And he like walks in and accuses Yoshimi of poisoning the chocolate and committing the murder, which is how you know that was that is not correct. Also, the motive, (laughs) the motive doesn't make. So she likes him. She gives the chocolate. He accepts her chocolate. What's the motive? Yeah. So he's like, it's a relationship motive. But it's like their relationship seems to be going well of all his relationships. So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. One thing I do like about the idea of the chocolate being poisoned is like because it's all going to be homemade it makes sense that someone could poison it right in like the valentine's day here you'd have to like inject into like your box of mm. uh, what's that chocolate brand where uh, no 
uh, like the really you know the one. one. Yeah, Ferrero the one. Rocher. But you could inject Will a Ferrero Rocher. Whitman's Whitman's chocolates. Yeah, your Whitman yeah. sampler. You'd have to take like you'd have to take your Whitman sampler. For like for the record, like no offense to any companies to trying their best to make chocolate. The worst. The worst Valentine's gift. None of that <gasps> tastes any good. I Are hate you kidding? I love those. Oh, I love yeah? all Ugh. of those box chocolates, especially like the fruity ones, like the like raspberry, like mousse in the chocolate. The oh. raspberry one is maybe okay. I okay. I think I have an association with those and the orange one, which oh. I hate. No, orange and chocolate together are a bad idea. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan. I like a chocolate orange, like the one you mm, can get at Christmas no. that you like mm-hmm. smack it apart. I like those. All right. That like fake orange milk chocolate thing you get in the Whitman sampler. Ugh. Chocolate Ugh. oranges are great. Um, no. Heart shaped samplers of like different kinds of chocolates are also great. I'm f- I'm for all of it. And and <laughs> and Michael, make sure not to bad breath too many products because now Whitman's isn't gonna isn't gonna sponsor us. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna lean back out from my microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Conan has like a a brief reflection and he's like, everybody ate the sushi. Mm -hmm. So it would be tough to poison that. The coffee was all poured out of a a single pot. Mm -hmm. So that would be tough to poison. And then the cake, everybody ate it except the victim. So that wouldn't make sense either. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what is going on here? Conan thinks to the cigarettes Mm -hmm. and points out that a cigarette was found at the crime scene, which turns everybody's attention to Naomichi and to the cigarettes. Yeah, This Mm -hmm. is one of the cases where Conan's just like, Hey, police guys, what about that obvious thing you overlooked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he just confesses right away, which also to me, I was like, it's too easy mm-hmm. that he's just confessing right away. Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny is like, ultimately, this is a red herring. But if there wasn't a second murder plot would have been the actual murder. So right. it's like. He yeah, didn't can, successfully murder him, but he like tried to. So it's still say, attempted murder. Can they charge him with <laughs> attempted murder? That was my question because he seems to, they're not going after him about the end of this. So I, I don't. I have to think they're still going to arrest him, right? Okay, good. Yeah, I think they should. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Is like when when I was watching through this, I, I've definitely seen this years ago, but it had been a while, and I didn't remember exactly what happened. Mm. Although I think I knew who the murderer was just because I had caught it accidentally <laughs> on, in like with the wiki or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was like, so he's coming clean and he's saying he poisoned the cigarette filter. Mm-hmm. But why? Like, is he trying to cover? I thought maybe he was trying to cover for someone. And it's like, no, he just feels guilty and is actually confessing yeah. because he put poison in the cigarette filter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes, he talks about how terrible the guy was and he hurt Cowery. But Conan thinks back to the cigarette, which was found broken in half mm-hmm. with the filter separated from the other one. Mm-hmm. And then he notices that mom is in the kitchen washing coffee cups, mm-hmm. which, which is, is like, a weird thing to do when your like, son has your just, son yes. just murdered. And it's well, to be fair, like I can imagine someone like doing busy work to get their right. mind off of something, but she's not like acting like depressed. <laughs> right, right. She but, did initially. She was like crying, but then, but um, right to washing the cups. Yeah. I don't think it's completely unreasonable. Like it's an expression of grief to obsess or take over something like that. Mm-hmm. So this is the point in the episode where we get a flashback that just kind of unceremoniously introduced us to what I will call the stun gun wristwatch because that's what it's always is in my head. But the subtitles here refer to it as the anesthetic watch gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. 
I love that then we get, I don't, like, maybe y'all know this character, but it's this image of this, like, jolly, mustachioed person, inventor. It's Professor Agasa who makes all of his inventions. Ah, okay, great. Like the voice-changing bow tie, which he also uses here. Yes, um, (laughs) amazing as well. (laughs) What technology? (laughs) So he, he uses the stun gun wristwatch to hit Kogoro and knock him out. Who's very flexible as he goes down, I must say. <laughs> yeah, he does like a... <laughs> stretching his arms in the air before he collapses into the chair. <laughs> and he just kind of hides behind the chair. He sets the bow tie to voice number 59, which is what his voice is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how does he have all these voices stored and ready to go? That's the watch. He's used Kogoro's voice before. Okay. So he's like, I remember, yeah. Supposedly this bow tie can mimic any voice. Mm -hmm. Wild. Nice to have the number coding for easy reference, yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's like a radio where the dial's actually like one of them like adjusts it. One is like your saved favorites. Mm. In which case, what are the other 58 voices? Right? Yeah. How many people does he need to mimic? (laughs) Well, this is my adult voice and this is Ron's voice because sometimes I like to have fun. (laughs) And this one is, I don't know. Also, like, while Kogoro is um, saying all this, although it's Conan, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's slumped over, like, eyes closed. And oh, everyone's yeah. just like, oh, yeah? Like, listening to him. Well, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but later they, like, sort of, like, he becomes known as the sleeping Kogoro. Stop it. So they cover because it. Because he it's always like takes a... on this pose. Because time and time again, he solves murders while seeming to be asleep. So does he think? Like, does he think he's, like, a sleeping detective? Like, I guess. It's not clear exactly what he thinks, but... He just rides that high. He also he is like, so happy to be like, oh, yes, I solved that case. You love me? Ah, ha, ha, greatest detective. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, introduced as someone who normally loses time by, like, getting drunk and falling asleep in random places. So it's already in his character to fall asleep in random places. So he's okay. just like, oh, yeah, and that's when I become a famous detective. Got it, got it. <laughs> so, Sleeping Kogoro pronounces that Nomichi is not the murderer. Right. Um, which we had pretty much said. And and here we go. We're getting the the truth is coming out. It's your last chance to go watch this episode. The thing about the cigarettes is the, the victim smoked unfiltered cigarettes mm-hmm. and had actually removed the filter before smoking it. And if the mm-hmm. poison was in the filter, then it wouldn't have poisoned him. I don't think any of the three of us know enough about cigarettes to comment on that further. Indeed. I mean, I understand it. Well, yeah, yeah there's sense, a filter, but, and he removed yeah. the filter. Yeah. So who is the murderer? It's Mama. That's right. He was killed by his own mom, but not really. Not and really. And how? Okay. I I kind of, I like this as a solution in like, it all makes sense and kind of goes together. But I call into the question the science of this. Not <laughs> that they explain the science uh-huh. of this. And also, what the hell would she have done if somebody didn't like coffee? Or no, I'm sorry, cake. Yeah, I wouldn't have eaten cake. There were two strangers in the mix. What if they're diabetic? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let's ex- <laughs> let's explain it before before we go at it. So okay. the the clue that we flash back to is the clues about the kid Susumu and the things that he had eaten. Mm-hmm. Like if the mom had knocked the chocolate out of his mouth, why was she so eager to feed him cake? Which mm-hmm. I did think was odd. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's because the coffee was poisoned. The antidote is the cake. Right. She knew that victim would d- drink coffee but not eat cake. Um, and and so that was the plan. Can you really do that? Can you poison a room full of people and then feed everybody except for your target, the antidote? Is that like, no one's going to have like digestive problems or like feel they would a little for sure, sick? They would for sure, at least most of them get some kind of sick. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a 
great idea. But also, like, <laughs> that is wild. Like, you you could chalk that up, like, criminal-wise to, like, a bunch of attempted murders, no matter That's what true. your intentions are. Because you still fed a whole room full of people poison. Right. <laughs> it's a wild way to try to kill one person. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and the, the other thing that she did is she rushed up to his body when he collapsed and swapped out unpoisoned chocolate that genuinely came from Yoshimi with some poison chocolate that she had made. Because, mm-hmm. even, you know, at some point in her life, she had to make chocolate to give to people at Valentine's. So it's a skill that she has. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. got a lot of poison lying around. <laughs> well, I guess it comes in like a big bottle. You go to the poison mart. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they think there's going to be re- residue from the poison in her cups and probably in her pipes. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's that. And also she's got a melting chocolate part like hidden in her boob pocket <laughs> on her, <laughs> her kimono. It's just like melting. Yeah. He's like, that's Yoshimi's chocolate melting in your kimono. And she's like, Like, oh. girl, you could have at least taken that out at some point. Right. You had time <laughs> when you were like cleaning the cups and everything. Um, Kaori is like, oh, that's when she reveals, right? That she's not his mother. She's actually his aunt. His parents mm-hmm. died seven years ago when she took him in. Um, the thing that happened at that time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And Because one of her defenses is like, why would I kill him? And why would have like framed Yoshimi or whatever and Kaori's like you knew she would eat he would eat Yoshimi's chocolate because she looks like his mother and I was like what that he liked Yoshimi because Yoshimi looked like his mother yeah that's a strange knowing that apparently everyone knows like I don't know it was odd (laughs) well to be fair uh Sonoko typically goes after rich douchebags and her father is a rich douchebag so (laughs) it's not the only (laughs) did anyone else clock the music over this part it's like the sad mournful kind of vocal track oh yeah yeah no I did clock it because like she's like sobbing and she's like I had to kill him because we need his inheritance because our family's business failed it's like that is not a good reason to kill a child like he is your nephew that you were raising as your son that's not a sympathetic reason for your sad story you just want to keep being rich F off yeah that was very loud (laughs) (laughs) it's okay Michael eat the rich but not their cake no, wait, eat the cake. Eat rich people's eat cake. cake. Drink, don't don't drink, the drink the coffee. Yeah. This is pretty much the end of the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we have that post credit scene where mm-hmm. Ron and Conan are on the park bench. She still has her chocolate. She scares Wakamatsu away. We talked about that. She punches right. through the light pole. And then there's this moment at the end when we find out who her chocolate was for. It was for Shinichi. What? Even though she knew he wasn't going to appear. She was like, on the off chance, he walks back into my life at this exact mm-hmm. moment. And she gives it to Conan. She's like, he won't mind. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they sh- they do eat it together. And I appreciated like the nice little snap. They snap it in mm-hmm. half. Oh yeah, it's a really good snap. It's like that's right. real. That's well tempered. We well, should she, eat more chocolate. She, <laughs> for somebody who melted chocolate without a double boiler, she got a really good temper on that chocolate. <laughs> yeah, magic chocolate. <laughs> and then we learn about the next episode, which um, we're not going to be covering Detective Conan next week, but the following week we will be covering episode seven, where we saw the next episode preview, where someone is receiving mysterious gifts, mm-hmm. gifts and Ron becomes especially suspicious of Shinichi. Mm-hmm. And the Conan's hint for that episode is barcode. No, I didn't know what that meant, but it seemed important. <laughs> so he always gives like a hint okay. for, for the, the next, next episode, mystery, yeah. where he's ah. like, next Conan's hint. What was the hint for this episode? Chocolate, wasn't it? It was chocolate. Oh, that makes it was a lot chocolate. of sense. Yeah. It's a very yeah. important theme for this episode. <laughs> yeah, but it really, like, the best hint would have been cake. 
Or coffee, yeah. Kicker coffee. Takes the antidote coffees, but chocolate's the yeah. red herring. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, Megan. Yes. Was this a solvable mystery? Did you feel like you were just how how that how satisfying was it for you? I think it was pretty satisfying, honestly, because if it had ended with the cigarettes, I would have been mad. I would have been like, that I can solve that one. I am one step ahead of the detective or whatever. But all of the pieces were there, like the oh they you know they don't look related and oh like the thing with the kid not eating not being able to eat sugar but then being able to eat sugar like there were definitely seeds sown in that you know I don't know if I would have ever left tissue poisoned everyone and unpoisoned <laughs> most people but you know definitely pieces of it that were there that I think you know was it was well crafted. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, and sometimes on this show it can get pretty far fetched, but. And it was far-fetched in some ways, but it wasn't far-fetched in other ways. In other <laughs> ways. It wasn't far-fetched in like a um, um, contraption where things knock down other things, which knocks down other things. Rube Goldberg machine? Down. Yeah, Rube Goldberg It wasn't far-fetched in like a Rube Goldberg's machine kind of I way. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a pretty solid one. It's mostly an inconsequential episode. Like mm-hmm. the, the wiki for the show refers to it as a filler episode because there's no plot advancement, but we mm-hmm. meet Sonoko and we see the sun gun wristwatch happen for the first time. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this show overall from this one episode? Did you enjoy watching it? Would you watch more? I did. Yeah, no, it was fun. I watched with Jeremy, my partner, um, and we just had, like, had a good time following along and everything. I, I feel like um, I was very anxious because I wanted to make sure I like caught everything to like talk about. So I might, you know, watch it more leisurely, <laughs> other <laughs> but I don't, I don't know that I would watch over a thousand episodes of it, but mm. maybe follow along for a while or, or catch some highlights or something like that. And I like sort of filler episodes. Like I like things that can be self-contained. So there's also a bunch of self-contained movies, which are effectively expensive filler episodes. Ah, cool. Yes, we we can make lots of recommendations of like good individual episodes to catch. I definitely think this is a good thing. Like once you kind of catch onto the plot, there's every once in a while there are like these episodes where they go back to the plot of the people that poisoned him and mm. stuff. But most of the times you could just watch a random episode and, and follow what's going on. Gotcha. So um, I'm excited. We'll definitely be covering more of this, getting to some more fun murder mysteries. We've got... Some of these early episodes, uh, you know, I have great nostalgia for and also are are pretty solid installments. Would you mm. say so, Michael? Yeah. Solid installments, like solid how you pay for a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do just want to say, you know, this is a show that many people have seen, many people have not seen. And if you have thoughts, opinions, or a lack thereof, you can send those to dyingmessagepodcast.gmail.com. Yes, please send us your complete lack of an opinion, <laughs> and we will read it on the air. I didn't feel any kind of way about this, and also I have no thoughts. I do have an email, someone responding to a previous episode. In particular, I think they listened to episode 33, where we were covering the very first episode of Detective Conan with our guest, Katie. And um, they did not leave a name when they wrote. So just, you know, um, I, I do want to share their email, but... And we're happy to share your name or whatever. So just, you know, sign the email or, or however you want us to share your name and we will do that. <laughs> Otherwise, we will just um, leave it a mystery because, you know, we're big fans of mysteries over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not giving out your email address without your consent is what we're saying. <laughs> or maybe not even with your consent because, maybe you know, like even, if yeah. you want us to pay to promote your business. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, you know, Katie had joined us as we were talking about the first episode of Detective Conan and she had some criticisms of it. 
So this listener writes in to recommend to Katie that that she might like the show Kendaichi Case Files. It's a longish running manga and anime um, that actually predates Detective Conan in the original manga. So they point Ooh. out that it, it came first. In particular, they recommended the Tarot Lodge Murder Case File, which is episodes 20 to 42 of the original series, and the Snow Goblin Legend Murder Case File, which is episodes 38 to 41 of the more modern revival series. We are definitely going to cover some episodes of Kendaichi Case Files. I really like the murder mysteries. I think they're fun and solid. The protagonist is a perv. That is one of his main character traits, which is not fun, but it's usually (laughs) not so intrinsic that you can't watch it mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. that we that we don't watch it so so one more thing you know they also comment i i had been reading stuff from the wiki and we'll do that in a second we'll look at the stuff from the valentine's murder wow. and <laughs> they pointed out that there's a lot of manga changes between the manga and anime and mm-hmm. we had been looking at a lot of the changes between the dub and the sub so there's like five different versions of a lot of these stories and it's a lot to keep track so we'll try to find the most interesting details and share those with everyone yeah, it's hard in America to read the manga without paying $10 for like two hour, an hour to two hours worth of reading. <laughs> and there's like 50 volumes of yeah, it. Yeah, they've published, <laughs> there's like 70 volumes, I think, that have been published. Uh, and they're $8 a piece. So yeah, it adds up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So looking at the wiki, um, we get to do my favorite thing, which is to look at what are the names that they gave to the, the English names that they gave to these characters, possibly inspired <laughs> by their Japanese names. So Sonoko is a recurring character, and her English name is Serena Sebastian. Why? <laughs> is one of the characters in Sailor Moon named Serena? Yeah. The main protagonist, Usagi, is named Serena uh, in English dub. Maybe it was the same people. And they also call uh, a character Queen Serenity, uh, from whom she is, to whom she is related, mm. without dumping spoilers. The victim, Katsuhiko Minagawa, became Keenan Morris. <laughs> Toshihide Wakamatsu Masukai became Tommy Walker. Mm. Uh, Kaori Sakia becomes Carrie Simmons. Oh. Yoshimi Watanabe becomes Katie Watson. Naomichi, of course, is Norman. Mm. <laughs> Gloomy old Norman. <laughs> Gloomy old Norman. So because their last name is Minagawa, she's just Mrs. Morris. <laughs> like he's Keenan Morris. Mm-hmm. And Susumu is Sammy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those names. those names are like... You know, on, on par for the kind of naming they did in the English version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is the very first time anybody has been poisoned mm-hmm. on this show. I mean, it's episode six, so you know. And the first time an episode has happened on a holiday. Oh, hold on. Excuse me for a second, Noah. My coffee is ready. I'm just going to take a sip of my coffee. <laughs> Not the first episode of our podcast where someone has been poisoned. And if you want to know why Michael just made that joke once again, you can go back <laughs> and listen to episode 19 of our podcast. I'm okay. I ate cake. Okay. Well, that's a reference to today. <laughs> so if episode 19, somebody got poisoned and this is episode 38 and somebody got poisoned. Are you doing a poison episode every 19 episode? I wish I had that kind of foresight. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> it will continue to happen. Maybe it's a big conspiracy. Ooh. Maybe. Thank you so much, Megan, for coming and watching this and and preparing and, you know, spending some time with us and and all of that. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Uh, Am I still supposed to do my poem? Oh, we're just about there. Okay, I'm sorry. You can edit that out. (laughs) 
no, I'm not going to edit that out because yeah, folks are probably gunning to know about your mystery. <laughs> and that's that's what we're going to do. But first, there's two things I got to tell people. Okay. The first is next week, we're not covering Detective Conan. We're doing a special uh, Dying Message Extra episode for Pride Month. So we are watching the film from 2005, I think, Third Man Out. It's the first in a series of four uh, made-for-TV gay detective films with based on a series of books from the 80s. And we've got t- two wonderful guests joining us to kind of mark pride in that way. So, you know, it's not anime. It's an American film, but it's a murder mystery. So that will be a kind of a spinoff episode, Dying Message Extra, quote, end quote. Uh, so come check that out next week. And then the following week, we'll be back to Detective Conan for a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, listeners, you are the kind of people, you're so great, If we were ladies in Japan, we would make you chocolate. Or honestly, like in this day and age, we would make you chocolate because whatevs. And the the best thing you can do to help spread the word about our podcast and help other people find it is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening, or wherever you're listening, follow, subscribe, uh, rate us on Podcatcher so that people, you can stay in touch with our episodes and people know that you're enjoying the podcast. The other thing to do to keep in touch with us is that social media thing. So we're Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter, and on Instagram. That's relatively recent. And uh, send us that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. It could be pictures of the chocolates you made. It could be your lack of opinions. Um, it could be the fan art that, that the lack thereof keeps Michael up at night. No fan art but thus far. Yeah, and thank you so much to the person who emailed us today. We were really glad to have your thoughts and to share those on the podcast. Okay. This is the time. This is now the time. <laughs> We've got to return to this mystery. Uh, well, the mystery of the substitute stands us. So I believe what happened is you started digging into your past, searching for a mystery that you had solved. And this is, this is what we came to come to in, instead. Yes. What do we call it? The secret stanza? The substitute stanzas. The substitute. It was so much better. Okay. Mystery is to me the perfect kind of story. Often filled with persons killed. Detectives search for glory. All the time I fill my mind a tapestry of clues. And yet I fail to tell my tale. And thus I have the blues. An open book I guess I took my ventures all for granted. And so I run to all the fun puzzles others have planted. Unable to find a yarn of mine, I was feeling kind of blistery. Enigma lover without a cover. I guess that is the mystery. That was lovely. We're applauding, but not actually because, you know, <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, it was. First of all, the fact that not only did that you did the internal rhymes and then the rhymes at the end of the line. And uh, blistery is a great rhyme for mystery. <laughs> that was a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you for providing the opportunity for it. <laughs> Feel free when when that when you solve a mystery, like definitely let us know. Will do. It was so nice. I feel like I'm at a at a poetry, an open poetry reading at a local coffee shop. So much <laughs> so, I am now going to sip my coffee. Be careful. <laughs> oh no! Michael, eat some cake, please. Eat some cake. Okay, but only because you insist. <laughs> I'm back. Do you write a lot of poems? No, <laughs> occasionally, but I was like, I have to provide something that feels worthwhile. And so this is what I came up with. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't like paint a picture. 
N- that would have been uh, challenging to share. Yeah. I mean, that that would have worked because we could have shared it in other forms, but we couldn't have shared it sure. in the podcast itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I just got an email from our next week's mystery guest. They actually painted a poem, uh, painted a, a picture, and now they are crying and they are canceling on us. <gasps> no! <laughs> that doesn't make any sense for several reasons, because we've already recorded the next episode. <laughs> I had a dream last night that I read the poem to you both, and you were like, eh. <laughs> no, it was lovely. Mm-hmm. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, episode 38, in which we celebrate our first Valentine's Day. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Megan Edelman. Coming up, who's got it in for John Rutka? How many sleazy motels are there in Albany? Is it too late in June to squeeze in our Pride Month episode? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. So, Sleeping Kogorogo, oh boy, that's gone. That's gone from the podcast. (laughs) Sleeping Kogoro, go!